Thanks everyone for being out tonight. It's good to be with, with you all. Um, we uh, we need to uh, be thankful for all the blessings that we have, and we need to be reminded of uh, the fact that we know not what is on the morrow. And um, we need to, uh, as James instructs us to say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. We need to be humble and realize how frail we are and our dependence on God and we need to be devoted to him in every aspect of our lives. Tonight, I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about why one would want to be a Christian. Why do I want to be a Christian? You know, being a disciple of Christ has never, ever been portrayed as being something that's easy. If, uh, all the verses tonight are going to be on the uh, on in your Bible tonight. Nothing on the screen. Um, and uh, I admit to have some animations on that. It didn't turn out that way. My afternoon hasn't gone exactly like I planned. Um, turn your Bibles to Matthew 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus didn't try and sell us on the idea of being his disciple as being something that's going to be easy or fun or, you know, just a walk in the park all the time. He said we're going to have to take up our cross. You know, I've never seen uh, an attraction at a theme park, you know, a cross-carrying uh, section of the theme park where you can go and you can carry crosses around, you know. you got the petting zoo, you got the roller coasters, and you're carrying cross. No, it's not like that, is it? It's, it's difficult. And Jesus wasn't trying to hide that from us. And denying ourselves, like Jesus said, we got to deny ourselves and take up our cross. Denying yourself is definitely not popular. That's not the end thing in our society, to deny yourself. And not only do you have to bear a cross and deny yourself, you also have to endure persecution. Look over at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. You're going to have to endure persecution. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, not may, not might, not could, but all who are going to live for Christ are going to have to suffer persecution. So I'm going to have to deny myself. I'm going to have to take up my cross. I'm going to have to suffer persecution. And Paul knew this better than anyone, perhaps. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning of verse 23, he outlines the things that he went through. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, beginning... 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three stripes I was beaten. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things that come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Paul was probably one of the most successful Christians of all time. But that portrait he puts there for us doesn't sound like we would paint success, does it? That was a difficult existence. Look at what it cost him to be a Christian. Now, compare what Paul says about being a Christian with what Joel Osteen says about it. Here's what Joel Osteen says. He says, don't settle in the land of barely enough. 
That is where you are. It is not who you are. That's your location, not your identity. No matter what, what it looks like, have an abundant mentality. You need to have lots, is what Joel Osteen says. That's not what Paul said. Joel Osteen said, it is God's will for you to live in prosperity instead of poverty. God wants you to be rich. He says, God wants us to prosper financially, to have plenty of money, to fulfill the destiny he laid out for us. Now, something doesn't line up there, does it? But God says that when we are going to be a disciple, it's going to cost us. It's going to be difficult. And so we have to then ask the question, why would I want to be a disciple anyways? Why would I want to be a Christian? Why would I? Is it foolish? Is it wrong? Is it a bad idea to want to be a Christian? Well, some people say, yeah, it is. It is. But I don't want to tell you tonight, <coughs> it absolutely is not. And we need to be firm on our understanding of why we want to be Christians, why we want to follow Christ. It's a fundamental component of our faith. Why do we want to have faith? Why do we do what we do? First off, some wrong reasons why we should not want to be a Christian. We should not want to be a Christian just so we can be seen of others. There are a lot of people who are religious for this very reason. There are some who uh, <clears throat> uh, want to be religious for the way that it makes them look in the community. Have you ever known a politician to display religion? We used to have a politician who visited with us regularly, and I wondered, wondered, what, wondered why. Okay. Doctors maybe visit churches to get their business, real estate agents, etc., try to Come around and look religious to try and get business. Many do this in their families. Husbands attend worship services for their wives to keep their wives off their back. Wives attend worship services to keep their husbands off their back. Parents attend worship services to keep their, I mean, children keep their, uh, attend worship services to keep their parents off their back. They do it just for how it makes them look. I tell you, when you're doing your religious service for the way it makes you look, Jesus says that is religion that is vain. Look over in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Matthew 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret with himself rewards you openly. And when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And maybe it's easy to see that in the politician or the businessman. What about in us? Do we do what we do to be seen by others? Are we trying to create an image of, uh, for others to see? that says, oh, wow, what a religious person he or she is. Are we trying to do our works so that we can have that image? We need to make sure that we're not doing it to be seen by others. Another reason why we should not do our religious works is that is just to be safe. You many, many have this approach in religion. They don't have any real conviction. But they will verbalize it by saying, you know what, I am religious just in case there's a God. 
if there is a God, I don't want him to be mad at me. And so I'll try and be a pretty good person. Just in case, just to be safe. And maybe I believe in God, but I'm not so sure about our certain religious practice, but that's what the preacher says I should do, so I'll do it just to be safe. I'll tell you, that's no reason to be doing what we do, and that won't be good enough. If we don't have what it takes to be pleasing to God, it's a five-letter word, faith, and it's all in vain. I've got to believe that what I'm doing is what God wants me to do. I've got to be motivated by faith. Hebrews 11, verse 6, you know that one from my heart? But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If I'm just going to play church or be religious just in case there's a God, Hebrews 11, 6 says, I'm not going to be pleasing to him. I've got to have faith. If we're not motivated by faith, it's impossible to please God. We can't be just doing this just to be safe. I'll tell you something else that motivates people to be Christians. A lot of people are being Christians, I'm afraid, for the social interaction. They are religious. They're trying to be a disciple just because it's the socially acceptable thing to do. And they enjoy the social interaction. They have really good friends in the church. They have really good friends who are Christians. They have really good friends that are living this way. And they enjoy going out to breakfast with them or going out to meals and maybe going out and doing recreational activities. They shop together. They share a lot of the same hobbies. It's just a really good time. And they're good, wholesome people. They can feel comfortable with their kids playing with their kids and Everything is good. It's all based upon the social. I want to tell you, that's the wrong focus. There's no sacrifice in that, is there? And it's the wrong motive. that We're not motivated in serving God. Young people, I'm afraid, are being told that being a Christian is nothing more than having good friends and hanging out with those friends rather than being convicted in what they're doing. And parents, I think we need to make sure that we're teaching our kids that this is more than just a social thing. This is our relationship with God. This isn't just a social endeavor. And there are some folks who are Christians because it's just what they've always done. You know, some people have never really given it any thought. You know, we have some habits like that. Some things that we do, we're not really sure why we do them, but that's what we've always done, and we're pretty happy doing that. And so we do it. And we always take a vacation at a certain time of year, to the mountains. And we never really give it any thought. We go to the same place, we go eat at the same restaurants, we do the same things. It's our habit, we enjoy it, we do it, but we never really give it any thought. We just That's just what we do. I'm afraid there's some folks who do that in their religion. They do things very consistently, and religion can be like that, very consistently, but we haven't really stopped to think about what we're doing and why we're doing it. It's just a habit. We talked about this in our lesson this morning in, in Romans chapter 10, verse 1 in our Bible class. The Israelites were doing that. I think they were doing things that they hadn't really stopped to think about why. Notice what it says here in Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. They were very zealous. They were very consistent in it. But it wasn't based on conviction that this is what God wants me to do. They didn't have that knowledge of God's will. 
Maybe they thought they were right, but they didn't just needed to stop and think. Maybe just because it's what we've always done doesn't make it right. All right. So what are the right reasons? And you can see the rest of our sermon on the screen now. Without any fancy animation. What are the right reasons? I'm going to tell you there's two areas where we ought to think. I think we have reason to be Christians and disciples now and after this life is over. I think a lot of people view Christianity as just in that ladder, after this life is over. That you can be a Christian now and you should be a Christian, you should follow Christ, but it's going to be tough and it's not going to be any fun. It's, not, it's going to make your life pretty miserable. And you ought to just, I mean, if you got to bear it and go through it, do it, but grit your teeth and get through it because when you get to heaven, boy, it'll be nice then. But right now here on earth is going to be rough and it's going to be ugly. And if you want to be brave and you want to live on the edge, here's the real way to slice it, they would tell you, is you just know what you need to do, but you just drag your feet and delay and delay and delay. And if you could time it just right, you could be baptized on your way to the hospital to die. And if you could do that, that would be perfect because you haven't messed this life up at all being a Christian and you get to go to heaven. I'll tell you, that's exactly the opposite of what the Bible teaches. In fact, the man who did that, he messed up his life by dragging his feet because there are real reasons here and now. We have a better life as a Christian than the non-Christian. First off, we have peace. As a Christian, we have peace. Jesus said he was going to leave us with peace. Turn in your Bibles to John 14, 27. John 14, verse 27. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus said he was leaving us peace. And what kind of peace was he going to leave us? Well, there's a couple aspects of that. First off, he left us peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 tells us about the peace with God that we enjoy. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Do you realize that when you sin, it causes conflict between you and God? Sin is a barrier between you and God. There is conflict between you and God. And that relationship is destroyed when you sin. And Jesus gives us peace. He allows us to be reconciled with God so we're not at odds with God. Now, you may be at odds with certain people. And maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe your neighbor doesn't like your dog. Or you don't like your neighbor's dog. Or something. there's something in that relationship that's just not really what it, you'd like it to be. And maybe no fault of your own, but your neighbor and you have this friction. And you can deal with that. You can try and be kind and try and win him over. And if that relationship never gets restored, fine. But when you are at odds with God, when there's friction in that relationship, you better get that restored. You're in a bad spot. And Jesus gives us peace. We enjoy that peace here and now. Knowing that we're in a right relationship with God and that that relationship has been restored, that's a wonderful blessing. And we need to be thankful for that. Not only do we understand that we have peace with God, but we also have peace within ourselves. We have peace within ourselves. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. 
Colossians 3 verse 15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. We can have peace in our hearts. We can have the comfort of knowing that we are in that right relationship with God. We can have the comfort in knowing that no matter what happens here on earth, God will be with us. And not only that, when this life is over, we can be with him forever. We can have peace with God. And that peace is amazing. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says it is the peace which passes all understanding. Are you thankful for that? Have you known people whose life was in constant turmoil because they did not have this comfort of knowing that they were at peace with God? We have peace. We should be thankful for that. Not only do we have peace, we have hope. We have hope. There's nothing worse than being in a situation and having no hope that it will ever get better. Do you realize that that is the situation that the non-Christian finds himself in? They're in a bad situation, and it will never get better. It is only going to get worse. From a physical perspective, the non-Christian's health is about as good now as it's going to get. As they age, their health is going to deteriorate, and it ain't going to get any better. I'm here to testify to that for some of you younger folks. It ain't getting any better. Not only that, their spiritual condition is as good as it's ever going to get. They're going to end up in eternity in hell where it will never get better. No hope. And yet we have hope. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Ephesians 2, beginning verse 11. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We were aliens. We were strangers. And we had no hope. No hope. In Christ we have hope. And that changes our outlook. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up your minds, because you have hope. It changes our outlook. And we can have hope as a result. If you had a big inheritance coming, would you look forward to that? Let's say that your father was and your mother were very rich, had a great big estate and a great big bank account, and were very well off. And you certainly wouldn't hope for their demise, but you would look forward to the inheritance that you were going to get. We have an inheritance in heaven, and we should be looking forward to that inheritance. In Titus chapter 3, Titus chapter 3, verse 7, having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We have a big inheritance coming, and we should be looking forward to that. The return of Christ isn't something that we should dread. We should look forward to it. 
because we will receive our inheritance then at that time. We also have joy. We have joy. There are some things that can bring transient joy in parts of our lives. The joy that we have in Christ, though, is real and it is lasting. Um, um, look at the joy that we have. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice. We have joy in our life. Those who aren't Christians don't have this joy. They can't enjoy this. We have freedom from the problems of sin. Freedoms from the problems of sin. Sin brings all kinds of problems, doesn't it? Sin in our lives messes up our lives. And when we submit to God and his will, we are freed from that. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15 says this. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15 says, The way of the transgressor is hard. Kids, listen to this. The way of the transgressor is hard. Kids, as you get older, not much longer than now, there are going to be people who tempt you with things that are sinful and wrong. And they're going to make it look real shiny and nice, something that you need to have, that will make you have all kinds of fun, and your mom and your dad are just telling you things to do because they want you to be miserable, and you need to do these things that are bad. I tell you, there are all kinds of kids who are still, as adults, as old people, suffering from the mess that they made of their life, when they were not much older than you, because sin messes up our life. Proverbs 13, verse 15, the way of the transgressor is hard. And God loves us, and he wants us to be saved from those problems. And so Deuteronomy 6, verse 24, that we reference often, tells us why God tells us to do the things that he tells us to do. The Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. God's trying to save us from those problems of sin. And we can be saved from those problems if we'll follow him and we'll do his will. If we will be a Christian, if we'll be a disciple, it'll save us from all of those problems. First Timothy 6, verse 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. It is for our good. We need to be a Christian to save us from the freedom of the problems of sin. We also have the blessing of our brethren as Christians. You know, our brethren, having those who are doing this with us, who are there to help us, who are there to stand beside us, who are there to encourage and strengthen us, we have our brethren to help us in this life. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. We are thankful for our brethren. We should be thankful for our brethren. It is a blessing to have his uh, have our brethren. We get to enjoy God's love as Christians. We love to be loved. And as Christians, we can enjoy the love of God. Back to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, beginning verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. 
Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that our tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because of the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God's love poured out. We can enjoy his peace. We can enjoy the hope. We can enjoy the joy. We can enjoy his love. All the blessings of being a disciple of Christ by being a Christian. And then the last thing that we can enjoy in this life, I tell you, is the great blessing of the forgiveness of our sins. We've all done terrible things in our past. We don't have to carry around the guilt of those things anymore. God has removed those transgressions and those sins from us as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he's taken our sins away from us. Isn't that a great thing? There are people who are not Christians who know they've done bad things. And they carry around the weight and the guilt of doing those things all of their lives. It is a shadow and a, a cloud that never goes away. We can have the forgiveness through Christ as a Christian. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remission of sins, having our sins forgiven. And finally, we get the blessing after this life is over. After this life is over, we get to enjoy heaven in eternity. Again, this isn't the only blessing of being a Christian. This is the icing on the cake, isn't it? We have, get to enjoy a wonderful life here, all the blessings here. And we get to be in heaven when this life is over. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, just a few verses before our context for our lesson this morning, as Paul is nearing the end of his life, he said this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing, be diligent to come to me quickly. Paul told Timothy that he was looking forward to that reward in heaven that was laid up for him and not him only, but for all who have loved his appearing. Are there challenges with being a Christian? Yes. Did Jesus paint up a rosy picture? No, he told us it would be difficult. But I tell you, the blessings are far more greater than the cost that we have to pay. The wonderful blessings of being a Christian. Peace, hope, joy, freedom from the problems of sin. Our brethren, God's love and the forgiveness of sins. And finally, when this life is over, heaven. We are blessed to be thank disciples of Christ. And we should be thankful for all, all that God has made possible for those who serve him. So how do I become a Christian? How do I enjoy these blessings? Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I need to hear what God has told me in his word. That hearing will develop faith. I must have faith. I must believe. Hebrews 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I need to repent of my past sins. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, Except unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. I need to confess my faith in Christ. That's what the Ethiopian eunuch did. 
And that's what Paul said we must do in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. And you need to be baptized. Mark 16, verse 15, beginning. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. These are things that the Bible tells us we must do in order to be pleasing to God, to be his children, to be Christians. Are you ready to become a Christian tonight? Are you ready to enjoy all those blessings that we've talked about? Have you become a Christian and maybe drifted away from that and no longer enjoying those blessings? There's no better time than right now to come back and make that right so you can enjoy those blessings again. If we can help you, will you let, you, let us know while we stand and sing?